Dr. John Holtzman, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're here at the CBAM Global Business Symposium on BRICS and beyond. You've just given an inspirational talk deconstructing the theories of the BRICS and beyond. What are your beliefs and why? Well, it's a very clever idea in the short run in that the rise of the rest is a real thing. The headline of our lifetimes will be this is a 500-year shift in power away from Europe and America. Absolutely, and that's what everybody's said for years. But um, to make this concept the holy mantra of where we go is desperately misleading. Uh, Let's start with one thing. Russia shouldn't be part of this group for a variety of reasons. One, um, it economically isn't doing as well as the others. Two, it's not a manufacturing country like the others. Three, it has tremendous demographic problems. Uh, Russian men have a problem with alcoholism. The actual age of Russian men has decreased since the Cold War by 10 years, unheard of demographically. And corruption and rule of law problems. Russia is not a good bad other than oil and natural gas on anything. What about China then? Because Brazil's the only one that's taken its poor up to the middle classes. and, And China's equally vulnerable. Yeah, China's vulnerable, but again, it has a bigger base on um, issues of... They have internal problems with corruption, but externally, in terms of the exports, far less. Um, China's going to make it. The question is on what terms, which which you're implying, which is right. Uh, Brazil has done very, very well with their middle class. Bolsa Familia has been a tremendous success. Uh, The problem for Brazil is geographic. It's surrounded by economic basket cases. To me, the future will be the Indian Ocean Rim in China, which isn't just China or even primarily China. It's South Africa. It's the Gulf states. It's Malaysia. It's Singapore. It's India. It's Australia. Um, and then China as well. This is a region that is partly democratic, partly pluralistic, partly authoritarian. Everything is to play for. But to pretend that the world is this neat conceptual thing rather than a geographic reality uh, is to miss the point. What excites me about the Indian Ocean Rim, one of the things, is the democratic nature of both South Africa and India. Um, which in the long run I think is the best bet for stability, as we were talking about. Um, And so China has brilliant leadership, doing very well, but frankly, if they don't grow at 8% a year, the leaders are candid that they're out. And and does it really matter, those growth rates, in in the sense we've lived through a tumultuous year, and never more so. It's supposed to be the world's third industrial revolution. We've seen the Arab Spring uprising. Even in Saudi Arabia, women protesting they can't drive, even though they may be married to very rich husbands. It all seems to be in the melting pot. So is the world predictable according to any formula that we've known before? And if it is, how would we go about predicting it? I think it's a great question, and in a time of flux, that is the question, uh, which is where we are. I mean, I would start by again saying, let's disaggregate the concept we have. So out goes Russia, because it doesn't fit economically. Out goes Brazil, despite the fact that we urge clients, my firm, to invest in Brazil every day of the week for the reasons you say. It's stable, it's democratic, it's, a, it's going to be an entrepot for China. It's going to do well. Uh, and you have to look at a region, and you come to the Indian Ocean Rim as the key region of growth. And that's been true for 15 years if you look at the growth rates. So I think that there, there's a body of knowledge behind that. And then you say, okay, what do we know about this region? For all the strengths, almost every problem I can think of is in this region, whether it be Iran nukes, Kashmir, endemic tribal violence, corruption and crime in South Africa, the rise of China and India at the same time. To solve the problems, we have to go back to being analysts. We have to stop believing in inevitabilities and start believing in looking individually, case by case, at what's going on here. That gets us through this flux. If we start with getting the lodestar right of the Indian Ocean Rim in China and then look at things case by case, we'll do rather better. 
So do you think perhaps we're looking at it too closely? Because you started your talk with a, a quote from Thomas Jefferson, he wrote in his diary on the 4th of July, that he had nothing to report. But we do know powers migrating away from the USA. So do we sort of construct something that's a false construct? Oh, yeah, all the time. I think the BRICs are part of that. I mean, the BRICs are a great idea to say power is ebbing away from the United States, and at the time that was a brave thing to say. The problem is that, like most very small ideas, it's outlived its shelf life. The reality is we have to think again and again and again in this time of flux. Again, I would go back to geography, the Indian Ocean Room in China, and work from there case by case, issue by issue, moment by moment. That's the only way we're going to get through this. But yes, we, I mean, as Jefferson said, he missed the 4th of July and mentioned buying a chicken. Um, instead, uh, it's easy to get caught up in the immediate and miss the big picture. And what my talk was was a hope to look at the big picture and then drill down from there. But one of the things you said, you actually transferred the individual to the corporate and global culture because you said the world is multipolar. We hear a lot about individuals being multipolar, but perhaps it's the world in which they live. I think a lot of it is the world in which they live. It's incredibly confusing. It's incredibly interesting. But in the old days, when the United States and the Soviet Union were all there was, it's, it's chess or checkers even, rather easy to figure out. And then after the Cold War, it's even easier. It's whatever the United States crazily or less crazily decides to do and how you all feel about it. Even easier. It's like watching a movie. Now the world is three-dimensional chess, depending on the board, depending on the issue, depending on the region, depending on the case. Suddenly, we need really good analysts again. We need the Kennans and Bolands of the world to come back, the Atchisons, the Trumans, the Eisenhowers to come back. And we have to think again in a very complicated world. And so this is this desperate attempt to narrow it down, as you say, to Jeffersonianize, to miss the essentials. I think that's right. Yeah, so we're lumping together things that don't fit. I'm cribbing from your talk. But actually, we're constructing these economic models. And we've heard presentations from people today here at the CBAM Global Symposium for the Cambridge Judge Business school that people need models they need to feed in information they need to feel that it all fits and they invent acronisms is that just what it is an invention when we're going into uncertainty i I believe all that but again i do think models matter but then the key point that i think you're raising is it's important to get the model right the problem with the brick model is that once it tells me the world is multipolar it doesn't tell me anything else what does that mean are all poles equal well no the united states is still dominant but it's it's declining how do you fit that into the model? You don't. Nobody's ever talked about that. What about the S? Does South Africa count or not? Well, it's not very clear from what they said originally. You have to drill down. It made one initial point, and from that they're trying to construct a religion. No, I, I love this notion that distance doesn't matter. Ask the border guards in China and Pakistan and in India if borders matter. They, they matter a lot. Ask the people who live around the South China Sea, which is claimed by every major Asian country, if they matter. They matter a lot. This is how we get into trouble in the world, by pretending things aren't what they are, as you suggest. The fact that India... You say it's Alice in Wonderland. It's totally Alice in Wonderland. Pretending the distance doesn't matter totally negates what the Chinese and Indians, the two major rising powers, think. If you look at the Chinese and Indian concerns, they have almost everything to do with distance. It's arguments in the South China Sea with the neighbors who live next door, distance mattering. It's India and China arguing over vast swaths of territory where their borders intersect. It's Pakistan and India or or arguing over Kashmir. To pretend these things don't matter, it might make sense in a social science laboratory or in Alice in Wonderland, but it doesn't make sense at all to the people who are now rising in the world. Being next door to another neighbor, you compare and contrast what you're doing with what they are. It's innate, it's human, it's gone on since the beginning of time, it will go on for the rest of time. And that's where, again, geography is fundamental and it's been left out of the equation. We have to put it back in, or as you say, we're going to end up with concepts that have very little to do with reality. 
But the people who suffer, and this has a lot to do with what we've seen this year, the the Arab Spring uprisings, the the people who are on the receiving end of this are, are, if you like, the poor, the rich standing on the shoulders of the poor, because the poor know that it's an Alice in Wonderland world, but but actually the rich, and we're seeing this today with Murdoch and the collapse of his empire, are, are still very much feeding off them. Is there any way in which we can wade through these changes, which are momentous, and this sea of information to come to a new reality or consensus? Yeah, I think we can do two things, and let's use the Arab Spring to start with one of them. Why did this succeed? An obscure Tunisian fruit seller sets himself on fire because he's treated with humiliation and disdain by corrupt officials. And he leads an uprising in a dinky little country in the middle of nowhere. Egyptian youth watch this and say, aha, my next-door neighbor, notice distance mattering, did something and we're not shot down in the streets. We're emboldened to do something as well. When that begins to succeed, the entire region, because Egypt is the linchpin of that region, that neighborhood, again, distance mattering, say, aha, we at last can bring our things to matter. This is where distance is fundamental and matters in a positive way. People saw a chance to have a better life because of what was going on. And that has rolled us to where we are. It's not inevitable that it be successful, but it has moved us to where we are precisely because the example of the next-door neighbor mattered fundamentally. The second thing that, that you're mentioning to make it unreal is base everything we say, and here I'm a good Burkean British guy, uh, base everything we say in reality. Don't, don't invent theories that have nothing to do with reality. It only matters whether you want to do good in the world, as Burke said, is to look at the world as it really is, warts and all, and try to make it better. You have to do that first. And so that, that takes bravery. You have to look at all the problems and all the mistakes of the world and move forward from there. If we do that and it replace something with a brick concept with something more like the Indian Ocean Rim in China, I think we'll do a lot better by the poor and, frankly, by the rest of the people of the world. So just finally, and you can get to your dinner, we can hear the hubbub in the background, but you can't blame people for wanting to make sense of an insecure world, no. of the USA losing its power, and what might emerge, and that's what the economic models do. They make sense of it for people. No, absolutely right. What I'm saying is we have to get the models right. There is, there, there's a human need for that, and there should be a human need for that, particularly in a time of flux, as you rightly say. Uh, but then, then it makes it's incumbent upon us who make the models to get the models right and ground them in reality. If we do that, we'll leave the world a better place, and that is a moral imperative for those of us who do this for a living. Okay, and, and John Holtzman, just before you go, end with the Thomas Jefferson quote. <laughs> Jefferson on the 4th of July, when asked what happened in his diary said, nothing much to report today, bought a chicken. And this means that people who do groundbreaking things don't always get it quite right. The brick idea was a groundbreaking concept, but it didn't get it quite right. Okay, well, John Holzman, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today here at the CBAM Global Business Symposium on Bricks and Beyond. Thank you very much for having me.